the expertise that is required to manage your company in this complex environment that's driven so much by technology and technology adoption can be paralyzing. You spend so much time just trying to get everything set up and not enough time selling real estate. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, I'm pleased and honored to be introducing you to Trevor McGregor. You recognize his name. He's been on the show multiple times. Just search Trevor McGregor, Joe Fairless, and you'll hear his interviews that I did with him. And he has a lot of value during those interviews. Well, he's had a lot of value in my life. For the last five years, I have hired him to be a consultant to help me with my real estate business and just personal stuff too as a life slash business coach. And he's taken my game to a different level. Before I hired him, I had four single family homes. And oh, by the way, I was also single. Fast forward to today, my company controls over $300 million worth of real estate. And I am happily, happily married. Clearly, results are going to vary, but he has helped me in five years do things that I didn't even have on my radar. So I suggest that you speak to Trevor McGregor if you're looking to take your real estate investing business to the next level. If you've had success and are looking to build on that success, then he's your guy. Go to trevormcgregor.com or coachwithtrevor.com and you'll be able to apply for a conversation with him coachwithtrevor.com. We used to do a free consultation. We got too many free consultations and he actually is pretty full with his consulting program and he's very conscientious about the value that he adds. He wants to add tremendous value. So he's being very selective with the people who he does work with. So go to coachwithtrevor.com and apply to have a conversation with him and then you two can decide if it makes sense to work together or not and hire him as a consultant. It has impacted my life in a tremendously positive way. Him and his wife have gone to my wedding. Trevor's been to my conference a couple years, and I know him well, and I suggest that you get to know him as well. Coachwithtrevor.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. With us today, Victor Lund. How you doing, Victor? Great, Joe. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, my pleasure. Nice to have you on the show and a little bit about Victor. He is a founding partner of Wave Group and CEO of RE Technology. He's provided research, strategic planning, and analysis services to the MLS, large brokerages, tech firms, and investment banks. Published author of well, a whole bunch of stuff and understands the role of technology in real estate. So that's where we're going to keep our focus for today. But with that being said, Victor, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and the things that you're working on? Yeah, sure. We've been a consultant in the real estate industry for 20 years. We work with a lot of people in private equity around their strategies related to their investments in real estate and provide some pretty excellent insider advice, not insider insider advice, but inside real estate advice because we're working in the field with the largest brokers in America, franchise organizations, the technology companies that serve them. And it's been a pretty incredible run the last four or five years as we've pulled out of the recession in terms of the amount of investment that is going into these companies. We've seen Redfin go public. We've seen the launch of the Broker Public Portal, which is a project that we work on to help real estate brokers return the consumer to their property search solutions and things like that. So anyway, we're seeing a lot of activity. We're really thrilled. What do firms hire you to do in the real estate world? 
We do a lot of strategic planning. So real estate brokerages seem like a pretty commonplace thing and they all do the same thing, but actually they struggle a lot to differentiate themselves. So we kind of pick apart their business model and help them deliver a solution to a specific target audience where they can really be successful. So when you see differentiation in the marketplace between Sotheby's and Cobal Banker or how is Keller Williams different and things like that. We're kind of the intel inside behind how a lot of these decisions are framing up their positioning in the marketplace and frankly, how they manage the service delivery to the consumer. For a best ever listener who has a brokerage not on the level of Keller Williams, but also not just he and his wife and a dog, but somewhere in between, and they're looking to differentiate and really deliver on that differentiating value proposition, how would you approach that with them? Truthfully, I'd tell them to consolidate. The cost of operating a small business, so a small real estate brokerage business today is extreme. The expertise that is required to manage your company in this complex environment that's driven so much by technology and technology adoption can be paralyzing. You spend so much time just trying to get everything set up and not enough time selling real estate. And the costs are variable. So an independent small firm, which really in today's parlance really operates like a real estate team, they may be looking at a landed cost of service that's 25 times more expensive than if they operated their brokerage as a team within a large broker. So we don't see the small broker as somebody who has a lot of error in the industry today. Their market share is negligible and their cost of doing business is extremely high and their liabilities are high. So from your standpoint, it makes more sense to consolidate. So join a larger brokerage versus trying to build something on your own to something to the level of a Keller Williams or a notch below it. Yeah. I mean, the people that make money in real estate are the people that are representing the buyer and seller, primarily the agent. So the average split with the broker is going to be somewhere around 70-30 or 80-20 with the real estate agent or team capturing the larger share, the 70 or 80% or sometimes 90%. If you're a top producing agent, you might get a 90% of the commission fee on a transaction. The broker's living on 10%. So it relative to those basic economics, it's far more advantageous to just leverage the services of a larger firm, leverage their brand, leverage their digital marketing experience, leverage their transaction management, enjoy the benefits of the E&O insurance they're able to buy to cover the liabilities on these transactions. It just makes more sense to be part of a larger organization and focus your time on representing the customer where you get paid the most. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I appreciate you mentioning that. I didn't see that coming. Now let's do a similar but slightly different hypothetical situation. I am close to a Keller Williams level with my brokerage and I come to you and like, Hey, Victor, please help me figure out how I differentiate from the other brokerages of the world. What's your approach there? Well, Keller Williams, first of all, they're a franchisor. They're not a brokerage. So their mantra as a franchisor is to align themselves as a training organization that helps brokerages manage themselves more effectively by enjoying the umbrella of a strong franchise corporation, as well as providing incredible training to real estate agents. And if you were to ask Gary Keller, how do you define Keller Williams positioning in the marketplace? He would say, first and foremost, they're a training company. So Remax is a little different. Remax is a company that is pretty highly focused on 
being able to allow brokerages to operate as efficiently as possible. I think the Realogy brands of Cobalt Banker and Sotheby's and ERA and Century 21 and Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate are really incredible branding agencies. So each of them define themselves a little different. And I think all of them are trying to contemplate the emergence of uh, companies like Redfin that have gone public. They dominate the online search space. And there's a variety of new models coming onto the market. Companies like Open Door that have said, hey, if you want to sell your home, we'll buy it. So there's this like emerging trend where brokerages are owning the inventory that they sell. They're not just acting as an intermediary during the transaction. Okay. So those are different ways that some of the brokerages, Remax, Keller, well, you said it's not a brokerage, it's a franchiser. But those are different ways that real estate companies are doing it. But now if I were a company and I were to come to you, what is your process for identifying the strategic planning or at least the differentiation? What I'm basically trying to get at is for listeners who are listening to this and they've got a company, what's the thought process? What are some questions that we or they should ask ourselves when thinking through how to differentiate in the marketplace? It's pretty standard stuff. And it doesn't really matter whether you're in the the real estate business or any other business. You have to say, first and foremost, who am I and what do I enjoy? Sometimes companies get distracted trying to be something they're not or trying to be people they're not. It's hard to take somebody with a middle-class disposition in life and get them to sell luxury or try to get somebody who's grew up in luxury to try and help people be first-time home buyers in a low-end market. You have to be who you are. So we kind of try to spend a lot of time helping companies answer that question. Who are you? What's your persona? What kind of people do you relate with best when you're delivering your service? And then we start to look at market sizing. So we say, well, how many of those people are in the market? What are their personas like? Where do they go? What do they do? How can you engage with them in the best possible way? Looking at what we call like a surround sound of engagement. Some of it's digital, some of it's in person, some of it's print. There's enormous opportunities to leverage big data to do reverse prospecting. So you can pick a neighborhood or an area where you have a lot of customers and you can actually use data to find out who's most likely to buy or sell next. And Use your marketing efforts to align with that person and to acquaint them with you and your services. So all of that pre-planning uses a blend of self-identification along with data and research to kind of come together with a plan that should be effective for you. That's great. I appreciate you walking through that. And let's pretend real estate went away tomorrow. No more real estate on the face of this earth. I have a feeling your company would still thrive because what you're doing can be applied to any industry from the questions you ask and how you approach things. Is that accurate? Yes, absolutely. You mentioned use data to see who is most likely to buy or sell next. Can you elaborate on how to do that? Sure. There's public record data that is event-driven. And I think all but seven or eight states in the US are what we call public record states. So My transaction when I bought my home and other properties that I have is part of the public record. So you know when I bought it and you can apply some algorithmic assumptions about what trends are available to understand when people move. Well, people tend to move between every seven and 13 years. So understanding that, obviously you're not going to spend a lot of time engaging people who just bought or who just sold unless there's another type of event. So if you look at a big data event like file for divorce or a death. 
obviously there's probably a real estate transaction in your future if that's part of your future. For most people, real estate is a primary asset and it's got to be mitigated along with the estate under any of those circumstances. But generally speaking, somebody who just bought their house, they probably have a pretty narrow debt to equity ratio. You probably don't want to be prospecting on people that are upside down in their home loan. You probably don't want to be prospecting with people who have super low credit scores. These are people who may be ambitious to buy or sell, but aren't going to be funded through a bank. And we know 80% of all properties in America are bank owned. So those are some ways. Mm -hmm. There's more. When you speak to real estate investors, let's say you're at a local meetup. I don't know if you attend or not, but let's just say you're at a local meetup and you're speaking to an investor. What do you say you do? And then what's the typical follow-up question that they have for you? We tell them that we're consultants. And when we speak to real estate investors, a lot of the conversation is usually a lot of head nodding. We're seeing a recapitalization in America on who owns property. And we're seeing that in a lot of communities, property owners are moving away from individual investors and more toward institutional investors. Frankly, the idea of owning a home just isn't right financially for a lot of people. It's very expensive to own a home. And there's an attitude among millennials that they would rather rent than own. And there's some tax advantages, like REITs, for example, have some tax advantages when they own massive amounts of property. So we're actually seeing property moving away from individual home ownership and more toward investor ownership. And that's a trend that we see extending across America today. And for how long? I think you'll need some kind of inflection point relative to legislative standing. So obviously, there could be impacts like if interest rates start gaining out of control, then institutional investors aren't going to want to invest in real estate, where today the capital markets make investing in real estate virtually interest-free. So it's a very, very highly incentivized environment for investors. So in a high market for interest rates, you probably see them move away. Similarly, if the tax advantages, there was a tremendous amount of discussion around the mortgage interest rate tax deduction. And to some extent, it was a little gutted by the recent passing of the federal tax law. So that could play a major impact as well. If you remove the tax advantages to home ownership, that could also create a variety of shifts. And I think those shifts are going to happen differently in rural areas versus uh, cities. But those are the types of things that are going to be more disruptive to real estate than anything. What is your best advice ever for real estate investors? Keep doing it. I think we saw during the meltdown that people who were too over leveraged, taking too much risk, that were too concentrated in real estate, had poorly balanced portfolios. You need to weight your portfolio. And a lot of the investment that we're seeing in real estate today is as a result of the run up in the stock market, thankfully, which just corrected in the last couple of days. But Generally speaking, having real estate as part of your portfolio, what's been referred to since the Renaissance as to land banking, land banking is a very, very good place to put your money. It's not where you should put it all. You need to have a diversified portfolio. I think I'm preaching to the choir here, but real estate is a very, very good investment and it's tangible, mm-hmm. unlike Bitcoin per se. You know, <laughs> Bitcoin's come up on the last three interviews I've done. It's so funny. With your experience and with the team that you have in place for the consulting, 
what has been the toughest challenge that you all have worked on as a team? I think it's change management. The average real estate agent is 57 years old. They're in their second career. Computers are not native to them. They learned it some way midway through their career. I have a 15-year-old daughter who's 30,000 followers on YouTube and 30,000 followers on Instagram. She's 15. She's so advanced. Like There's very few real estate professionals who even know how to use those platforms, much less develop an audience that's engaging. And some of these digital things that real estate agents have to do in order to keep up with the millennial buyer today, it's a big stretch for them. So it takes a lot more hand-holding, a lot more coaching, and it's challenging. But those that invest the time to learn it and they get it, they're accelerating. Interestingly enough, when you ask millennial buyers who they would rather use as a real estate agent, they would rather use somebody that's their parents' age, somebody that has a lot of experience than use somebody that's young and hipster and knows how to use all of their stuff. They don't have confidence in their peers as much as they do the gray hairs. Huh. Well, we're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's go. All right, let's do it. First quick word from our best ever partners. If you want to hire the guy who I hire to help me with my real estate investing business, then go to coachwithtrevor.com. That's coachwithtrevor.com. May 11th and 12th. You got plans? Well, if you don't, here's a suggestion. I'm speaking at the Midwest Real Estate Networking Summit in Chicago on May 11th and 12th. I'll be talking about multifamily syndication. There will be other speakers talking about flipping, passive investing, and a whole lot more. You can learn more and get tickets at MidwestRESummit.com. All right, best ever book you've read? Othello. Othello? Best ever deal you've done? You said you're an investor as well, right? Yeah. Okay, that wasn't your first and wasn't your last. Shopatron. What is that? Shopatron is a company that provides a service to brands like Callaway Golf, where you can go to callawaygolf.com and buy a golf club. It gets delivered through Callaway's local retailer. Okay, you invested in the company? I did. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction or just in business in general? Not being aggressive enough. Lots of opportunities where I didn't go out and leverage the capital markets to raise money. I tried to do it all myself and grew the company too slowly and missed the opportunity. Best ever way you like to give back? We give back on an annual basis and a persistent basis to women and families who are getting out of abusive situations. And how can the best ever listeners learn more about your company? Visit wavegroup.com, wavgroup.com. There's no E. You can subscribe to our newsletter, our blog. We have a tremendous volume of reports there that you mentioned earlier today. And we're always happy to answer any calls or questions that people have. Thanks for having me on, Joe. Yeah, really enjoyed it. And thanks for being on the show. Enjoyed learning about your approach, your company's approach, as well as from a differentiation standpoint, questions to ask ourselves. One, who am I and what do I enjoy? Two, what kind of people do I relate to best when delivering my service? And then doing some market sizing. And then, as you all call it, the surround sound of engagement. And then from a kind of a one-off thing, a couple tactical ways to use data to see who's most likely to buy or sell next. Seven to 13 years, people tend to move then. Divorce, death, filings, certainly to take a look at. And then lastly, the shift that millennials are making for the industry where they're not buying as much 
And the two things that could change that in the future, one is the interest rates going out of control, as you mentioned, two would be the tax advantages being further sliced up. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have the best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. May 11th and 12th, you got plans? Well, if you don't, here's a suggestion. I'm speaking at the Midwest Real Estate Networking Summit in Chicago on May 11th and 12th. I'll be talking about multifamily syndication. There will be other speakers talking about flipping, passive investing, and a whole lot more. You can learn more and get tickets at MidwestRESummit.com.